This week, after perhaps the earliest online romance in history, Josie and Guy defy technology, distance, parents, age, and religious guilt and get married. But defying the odds to get married doesn't guarantee they'll stay married, does it? Things were a bit off right from the start, but when Guy finally agrees to try for another baby, instead of happiness, Josie's world is almost torn apart. Welcome to My Crazy Divorce. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a man. It's just, I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good, oh, the possibilities of what I could, oh, do with the world at my fingertips, my imagination brings a smile up to my lips, oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Crazy Divorce. I'm your host, Tom Milligan. I first met Josie on TikTok, where she gives great advice on marriage, divorce, and self-love. From there, I found her podcast at heavypagespodcast.com. If you've ever wondered what a young divorcee goes through mentally and emotionally, you should give it a listen. I'm so glad Josie agreed to come on the show and share her crazy story. If you have a crazy divorce story, please go to mycrazydivorce.com right now and click on the apply to be a guest button. I promise we'll have a great time getting to know each other and recording the show. As always, remember, I'm not an attorney or a therapist, so please don't consider anything said on this show to be legal or therapeutic advice. Okay, with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's meet Josie. Josie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to hear this story today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share. Excellent. Before we get started, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. It's called the Heavy Pages Podcast. What is it? So my podcast is basically, it started off as me opening up the journal that I decided to start when I first got separated. It was a way for me to share how I was feeling without driving all my family and friends nuts. And I started a journal. And so for in that journal, I just was just as raw and honest as I could with myself about how I was feeling. And I kept it for a few years. And so years later, I thought I've always wanted to do something with it. And podcasting just turned out to be the thing. And I decided to create a podcast where I would read a journal entry and talk about how I was feeling when I wrote the journal entry, what I remember about that time and what I've learned along the way and things that I've definitely probably took too serious or messed up on or could have done better to kind of hopefully help other people that are in this situation maybe realize, oh, I've been there. Oh, there's hope. Oh, there's a future. And oh, maybe I'm feeling like this today, but I know I won't feel like this years from now or months from now, hopefully. Right. Well, that's fantastic. That's uh, talk about a a raw, raw feelings, right? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of, (laughs) a lot of venting, a lot of venting. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Before we get into your story, I do have a question for you. Okay. For those that are not watching this on YouTube, they can't tell. You have quite a colorful array of hair on your head. There's some purple, there's some blue. Has that been a long-term thing? Well, this particular style has not, but I really like it. And I think I'm going to be sticking with it for a while. But for a few years, I started like maybe just the tips of the bottom, doing it a different color for each season to see how I felt. And gradually I was like, you know what? I got braver and I decided, let me do 
the whole head or the top part. And so I've done red, purple, blue, green. I've done every color and now I'm doing a few colors at once. And this yeah. one I really dig. So, well, I'll tell you what, I think it's awesome. I think it looks great. Thank you. So thank you very much. All right. Well, let's do this. We're going to start and figure out who you are. Okay. So where did you grow up? Well, I grew up basically in Florida, central Florida. I, my parents are from Puerto Rico. I okay. am the first member of my family to be born in the United States, and I was born in Pennsylvania. But thankfully, before I turned three, they moved to Florida because I don't think I could have handled that cold weather <laughs> or that snow and driving in snow. So they moved to Florida. I'm very happy about that. And I've been in central Florida ever since. I basically grew up over near Disney and spent all the way up to like eighth grade over out by the Disney area, watching that area expand. And I used to yeah. ride my bike to what was called then the Disney village. Now it's downtown Disney. That's how close I was. Wow. And uh, so in Florida, I'm a Florida girl. I, that's how I see it. Yeah. There you go. So your parents, they immigrated or whatever you call it. It's not really immigration when you're in Puerto Rico. It's right. Um, they just moved over. Yeah, they Came just over. moved. And you say you were the first one to be born in the States. What about, like, do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother and sister that were born in Puerto Rico. And I have an older half-sister. And then I have a younger brother that was also born with me in Pennsylvania. So there are five so of So five of us, but four of us in my family unit, basically. Because my older sister lived with my grandparents. Oh, okay. Half-sister, yeah. So you say half-sister. Does that mean one of your parents was married previously no or? it just means my dad had a very fun youth and so <laughs> <laughs> i got a cool half big sister out of it <laughs> there you go that's a good way to look at it and so you, you moved here i mean you were born here but you were moved to you moved from pennsylvania to florida when you were three and your what did your what kind of work did your parents do were you they were you like the upper echelon no, of society we were, no we definitely weren't they they both went to school but neither of them really continued to do what they did. My mom worked at the hotels at Disney. She was first, I guess I should say Disney area because she didn't work at a hotel at Disney, but she was a maid for many years. Mm -hmm. And then she started working at Disney, which I loved because that meant I could go to Disney all the time. And actually my dad also did just different type of work, but I will shout out that he helped build the spaceship Earth at Epcot. So oh, wow. he did some of that. He didn't design it or anything, but he was one of the people nailing something to it. So that is really cool. <laughs> and they just did basic work, nothing outrageous. We always thankfully had a roof over our head and food to eat and things like that. But we were definitely not, I'd say maybe just under middle class, maybe. Okay. Lower middle class, not upper yes, middle class. Exactly. Lower middle class. There you go. Yes. Okay. That, that's uh, a lot of, I think a lot of love can happen in a house like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And is that how you would describe your household? Yes. I mean, I loved my parents. They were both very good parents. My father sadly passed away in 2019, actually, mm. like three days ago, 2019. So, but, you know, they were good parents, good providers. They were also are or were Catholic. So there was a very strict upbringing, but they were also, it was a family. It was hang out with cousins and family. And that's what we did. It was a, always family first, family, very important. So very cool. Yeah. I usually ask about religion, but you're, so you're saying, you know, cause you know, there are Catholics and then there are Catholics. You guys sound like you were Catholic. 
Yeah, we were the don't miss a Sunday. Good Friday. We weren't allowed to watch TV. We weren't allowed to talk. We weren't allowed to laugh. We weren't allowed to vacuum either. So it wasn't like it was used. Anything you did was if you do this, you are hurting God or Jesus Christ. Good Friday. So it was always just a day of reflection, quiet and don't do anything. Don't make a loud noise. And that meant they couldn't spank us either because... It was Good Friday. So they were very, very strict in that aspect and followed as much as hard the Catholic religion as as you can, I guess. So have you carried that forward? I mean, I'm going to say, sadly, no. I consider myself now more of a spiritual than religious. I believe Mm -hmm. in God, but I have a bit of a problem with things of the Catholic Church through history and even recent that kind of makes me not say I'm so much a Catholic. If you ask me, I'd say I'm a Catholic, but I have some serious issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was raised Mormon and I get it. I get you. Okay. All right. And you went to elementary school, middle school, high school, all right there. Did you move around a lot or were you pretty stable? Well, I went, no, we were pretty stable for a long time. So I went from kindergarten through seventh grade to the school over by nearby Disney. And that was an interesting experience just because it was, it was Windermere in Windermere area. So there was a lot of richy rich people that went there, but also people from the outskirts. So you got a really interesting combination of people at the school, but I loved it. And so I was there till seventh grade. And then my family decided to move into Orlando And then we moved into the Orlando area. And so it was only like another really big move, just two big moves, because basically where we moved to is where we stayed. So so I had a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I had a terrible time because I'm not much about change, probably because I didn't change for all those Mm -hmm. years. But Well, uh, in seventh grade, is such a tough time to move anyway. Even though, I mean, you didn't move that far, but even five miles makes a big difference. It's different schools, different friends, different everything. Right. Yeah. It was about half an hour into Orlando and it was, I knew nobody. I had no friends to hang out with. And back then, yeah, you had a phone call, but you couldn't just FaceTime or do any of that cool stuff you can do now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So after high school, did you go off to college? What did you do? I didn't. I was not really, I hated school. I hated school a lot. So I didn't want to continue in school. So I, I just went to work. I found a few different jobs that I liked, and I would do three at a time to fill up my days, and that's pretty much what I did. I've tried everything. I tried to be a nail tech. I did a dog groomer. I did. I worked retail. I tried it all just to see what sounded fun to me. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do that then. So you've. So now we've got you out of high school. We figured out Josie is not a conformist. I think we can all. <laughs> get that part of it so let's talk about your ex we're calling him guy guy yep guy let's talk about guy where did he grow up so he grew up in a whole nother state he was in louisiana actually and not that's too far pretty much yeah so that's where he was from and that's where he grew up and that's where he lived is he like a city boy or was he out in the no, i think he was country yeah i think he was country boy yeah and uh, he had divorced parents and he, there was a bit of problems in that relationship his mom had some some issues with the addiction and stuff and so he had a really hard growing up i don't he didn't have the family situation that i had where it was all family unit all the time he had more of a 
really unhealthy situation growing up. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Did he, but did his parents, were they, st did they stay together? How, and well, I know oh, no, you said no. they were divorced. They divorced how long? Um, I honestly can't tell you how long they were divorced when he and I met, but it had been a while because his father was already remarried and he had a half brother. So it had been a while. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he grew up in a, in a split home. Right. And did he live with his mom or his dad? Do you know? He lived with his mom, but that was kind of a rough thing because his mom didn't really have a place. She was always moving from place to place. And sometimes it was a car, but oh. he had this need to not abandon his mother. Oh, like he has an older okay. sister and she was like, this is not working for me. And she went to live with her dad, but he didn't want to leave his mom. I think he felt like that protection thing, which also made him have more trauma because he mm -hmm. stayed with her and lived through a lot of more difficult situations. So. Does he just have the one sibling then, one sister? The one sister and then the half-brother the, from his dad's new marriage. Uh, right. Okay. But in terms yeah. of, so basically, dad leaves, or dad and mom split. Right. Sister takes off and goes and lives with dad, but guy stays with mom because he's like the man of the house now, maybe. Something like that. And I think maybe it was more that the mom split and the kids stayed with her. But then the sister was like, this isn't working. I'm going to go with dad. And then guy was like, tried to, to wait it out and maybe see if she would change or settle down or something like that. Right. Okay. Wow. Sounds horrible. And so when he, yeah. so he grew up and probably did not have a lot of opportunities to, to like play sports and all that kind of stuff then it sounds like and not really but one thing i will say about him was that he was really into music and being in band he was in band a percussionist in band and he that really was like his outlet that's the thing that probably helped him escape the realities of his life so he did a lot of music he wasn't a sports guy he was a, a the band geek basically <laughs> the yeah. band geek okay and now all right so let's figure out how you guys met how did we meet? Well, we met on this cool thing called America Online. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Back in the day when it first started, when it was a, really a place of people that were curious and wanted to connect and there were chat rooms and I was super, I loved it. It was so cool to go log in and hear that beeping noise of your modem and stuff. Right. And I was in a chat room talking with people and this one person started chatting with me and then they invited me to a private chat room. And it's like, would you like to go to a private chat room? And I'm like, okay. So we went into a private chat room and talked because back then when you were talking and in a group, everybody's talking you mm -hmm. just have to remember to look and see if you see the name of the person that's talking to you and everything gets jumbled so we went to the private chat room and we talked and got to know each other there a little and then from there we moved to talking on the phone and then a few months later he moved to florida wow. Probably, actually that's not true i went to louisiana to actually meet him face to face and then after that he moved to florida yeah. Okay, so let's get some time frames here. When yeah, did you yeah. when did this start? What year? 1994 is when I met him. Close to Christmas, 1994. Okay, I got to ask, how old are you? Okay. <laughs> I will be 50 this coming April. Really? Yeah. That I congratulations, you do not Thank look you. it. 
Thank you. Olive Olay. No, just kidding. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Nice. Oh, wow. Good for you. Okay. Yeah, I was expecting, I'm sitting there trying to put, do the math in my head, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how you did the AOL thing. Cause I'm thinking you're in your thirties sometime anyway. Thank you very much. Okay. So, all right. So 1994, uh-huh. you guys start chatting, you get in the private chat room yep. and I've never, I, okay. I'm trying to think if anybody, <laughs> any of our guests met their spouse online. And I yeah. don't, I mean, I was thinking dating apps, but I didn't even think about just a non. Yeah. And by the way, for our younger listeners, mm-hmm. AOL was kind of like the first hardcore money-making business on the internet. They basically sold access by the minute. Right. They'd mail you a CD or a disc in the mail and you'd get on there and they'd give you a hundred free hours. And then after that, it was like 25 cents a minute or some dumb yeah, thing was to not be cheap. on the internet. was yeah. not cheap. So, okay. So that's cool. That's really cool. So you yeah. go up to Louisiana two or three months into this private chat relationship. Right. You meet him face to face and you're, yeah. were you smitten or was it? I was, I mean, by the time I went to meet him, I felt like I was already in love with him and we were talking all the time. So it was just, and he mailed me photos of himself. And I will tell you that while I waited for that mail, I was so scared. I'm like, what is he going to look like? Because let's be real. It does matter a little, maybe a it lot should. to some people. It matters. Mm-hmm. So just by talking to him and getting to know him, I felt like that was great because that connection had nothing to do with his looks, but I was super scared about what he was going to look like because I felt like I was already in love with him. And then I got the pictures and he was cute. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thank God. And this is like a side story, but it's, this is how my parents are. Or my mom was, he sent me pictures of himself, but also then a couple with a friend and his friend was shooting the bird in the picture. And my mom was so upset that he dared send me that picture. He was already unliked by her for that reason like how dare he how disrespectful and so that was he was already on the wrong foot with her because of that but um but yes then I went to meet him which was a very big deal for my family because I was leaving to go meet a guy in a whole nother state it was they didn't forbid me to do it which is pretty shocking but they were extremely not happy about it but I think they drove me to the airport And so I went and I visited him for a few days and we got to know each other. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm in love with you. And when I left, I was crying and I'm like, this is terrible. And and he's like, you know what? I'm moving. I'll go over and I'll go with you. Yeah. And you're what? Like 22, 23 at that point? I was 21. 21, I think right around there. Yeah. Okay. And how old was he? He was a couple years younger than me. So he was 19. 20? Yeah. I just really? turned 20, maybe. Yeah. He was like, you go, Josie. You're robbing yeah. the cradle. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he so was he in college, actually, there. Yeah. Oh, he, he was, was going in college. to college there. Yeah. But he was like, I'm going to take a semester. The plan was that he was going to take a semester off, come over, see how things went, and then possibly go back just to tr- try things out and see what happened. Yeah. So how'd that work out? So he shows up. Well, the other issue was that my parents, again, so strict that when I told my mom he was moving, I was helping him look for a place and whatever. And she told me that I was not allowed to go to his apartment. I would not be allowed to go to his apartment. And I had another boyfriend 
before him that was older than me, quite a bit older than me. And my parents put all these restrictions on me. I mean, I had curfews and I wasn't supposed to go to his place and all this kind of stuff. And it put a strain on our relationship, understandably. I mean, he was quite a bit older than me. And he's like, I have to put up with this. So I I understood that. And we basically broke up because of it. And so I remember thinking, I'm not going to lose somebody that I care about again because of these restrictions. And I said, and I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I went to the movies or that we were at a restaurant when I'm going to go to his place. Mm-hmm. You should trust me. I was a virgin. I, I had all this fear of making Virgin Mary cry if I had sex and all this kind of stuff. So I knew that I would not be able to do something and walk back into my house and look at my parents in the eye. And they should trust me on that. But I said, I'm not going to lie to you. And if this is the case, then I'm moving out. And then I thought, well, if I'm moving out and he's moving here, then wouldn't it just make sense if we moved in together? Because that was just the obvious next yeah. step. <laughs> so, well, it makes perfect sense. I, I, and oh. So, But it's also, that's an interesting thing. Because I, for example, I mean, I... When I got divorced a few years ago, I clearly I wasn't a virgin at the end of being married for 28 years. But but the idea of living with someone that I wasn't married to was a really weird thing to me. Yeah. And so a year or so later. Yeah, it was a, a year and a half later, I was dating this woman and we talked about moving in together and I, I don't have any religious qualms with it. It was just right. weird. Right. Because I'd spent my whole life thinking, you can't do that. You have to be married to live with someone. Right. So I I get that, especially if at that time you were still a virgin. That had to be a weird thing to think about. Well, I mean, I was all for it and I felt very confident that I could control myself. This was also very the naive. The I was like, that's fine. This is not going to be a problem for me. We're just it just is convenient if I'm going to move out and he's looking to move out and he's going to move here that we move a place together. And I actually said, because I'm going to ask a friend of mine to also move in with us so it doesn't look like, oh, me and you are living together. It's going to be like a roommate situation. And I had another friend move in, which was a disaster, which we won't go into, but it was a disaster. And so <laughs> to make it look less inappropriate, let's say. So Three's yeah, company. I, Yeah, exactly. So I was like, let's give this a try. My parents, again, were not happy and they refused to meet him because I was going to move out with him. And so, but I did. And uh, I apparently had zero of all that reserve and strength and will that I thought I had. So an amicable divorce, sometimes referred to as uncontested or collaborative divorce, has been proven to provide better outcomes for everyone involved. I'll share the easiest way you can accomplish a collaborative divorce by using OurDivorce.com. But first, you'll want to understand why it's so important. Reason number one a collaborative divorce is better, an amicable divorce costs a lot less. The average cost of a divorce in the U.S. is over $15,000, primarily in attorney's fees. With OurDivorce.com, it only costs $299 and payment isn't required until you print your final documents. Reason number two why a collaborative divorce is better. An amicable divorce is faster. A contested divorce takes an average of 11 months to go through the court system. With OurDivorce.com, it can take as little as a couple of hours, as quickly as both parties can agree and work through our simple three-step process. Reason number three, a collaborative divorce is better. A collaborative divorce is just easier. When you involve angry people and a bunch of lawyers, it always gets complicated. With OurDivorce.com, 
as long as you and your spouse can commit to being civil and work through the process, there doesn't have to be fighting or a bunch of legal paperwork and confusion going back and forth between lawyers. Reason number four, a collaborative divorce is better. An uncontested divorce gives you more control rather than leaving decision to the lawyers or a judge. With OurDivorce.com, you're in full control of directing the outcomes that are best for both parties, and especially any children. Reason number five, a collaborative divorce is better. After an amicable divorce, you have the ability to focus on your needs and the needs of the children, rather than focusing on a broken relationship with your ex-spouse. This means less stress on you and your children. At OurDivorce.com, we always hope that couples can remain married. But when that isn't possible, we give you the tools to have an amicable, collaborative, and uncontested divorce so that you can maintain control while working through the process more quickly. Just go to OurDivorce.com to learn more or to get started today. There's well, <laughs> so let's think about this for a second. So this guy's moving from Louisiana clearly to be with you, and you're in this apartment or whatever you rented, right? Together. Yep, an apartment, yeah. He's Tables not thinking about that. reserve. Oh, no, absolutely not. But he, res- I did tell him that was my plan, and he's like, okay, because I made it to the trip to Louisiana and back, and I stuck to my guns because I knew I was going back home to my parents and I was going to face them. So I had already done it, basically, and I'm like, ah, I could do this. Yeah, come on, Josie. I mean, I mean, you were what in Louisiana for a week? Yeah, maybe. I don't even think it was a week. It was like four or five days. So, yeah, there's kind of a there's a little bit of a difference. Okay, so anyway, yeah, you yeah. guys move in together with another yeah. roommate. That's a disaster. Right. What does that mean? It yeah. just didn't last very long. With yeah, the it means that she turned. She yeah, she just started causing a lot of trouble. And the agreements that we had made, she didn't appreciate. Agreed to them when we moved in because basically we had a two bedroom. So we were in one bedroom. She was in another. I said, we split electricity three ways. We split everything three ways except for the rent because you have your own room and we are sharing a room. And then she started getting upset because she didn't think that was fair, that we should all three split it, even though she had her own room. And then she started causing other issues. And it was just like, wow, we weren't really able to enjoy this honeymoon phase or this together phase because we had this other person in there that was just causing a lot of trouble. Okay. So wait a minute. You shared a room and you thought you were going. Yes. I still thought I was going to be. Oh yeah. Trust me. Not that tough. Yeah. I was going to say, well, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Enough said. I think we all get it. That's yeah. yeah. Good, good thinking. Best intentions. Exactly. I really did. Okay, so roommate doesn't last long. You right. guys, okay, so you guys move in together with all of this resolve. Just to got to ask, how long did your resolve last? I don't remember, but it probably was less than my trip over there. Probably wasn't like a week or something. I knew I didn't have to go back and face my parents. So I'm like, you know, what the heck? I already moved in with them. I mean, what's yeah. the harm? Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Okay, so you guys are now together. Right. I mean, right. not that you weren't before, but now it's, there's some commitment. I mean, he lives there now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So where does it go from there? Well, from there, it moves on really quickly to, I shared this story before, but this was my thing to go with that because I'm Catholic and because of all this stuff, I used to watch the show that I loved and it was called Homefront. And on this show, there was a lady that was Catholic and she was 
going to have sex with somebody, but she felt like she told him he was going to buy protection. And she says, do not do that because if I use protection, it means I'm sinning twice because I'm planning it and then I'm doing it. And I watched that show and I remembered that conversation and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want to sin twice. So we will not be using protection because that means we're planning on it. And so, yeah, I ended up pregnant within three months of him being there. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Josie. Yeah. <laughs> when we're done and I'll remind you of it, and I will ask all of the listeners. Okay. Please don't be offended by what I'm about to suggest. Okay. Go to YouTube. Uh-huh. And do a search for a song called The Loophole okay. by Garfunkel and Oates and watch the music video. You just described to a certain extent one uh-huh. of the things that they talk about in there that yeah, protection is a sin, that kind of a thing. Right. Anyway, it, I, you won't regret if you like this show, you will like that song. And the video makes it that much better. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you're saying no protection, and we're not married, but we're pregnant. So now you've got to face your parents. Right, right, right. And so far at this point, neither of them were willing to meet him. So I I went to my mom, and I was talking to her. I told her we're going to get married because obviously we're like, well, now we got to get married. Mm -hmm. So I went to my mom, and I told her we're going to – we've decided that we're going to get married. And she was like, oh, well, I'm so happy because living in sin. And then she says, and you will understand this one day when you have children. And I probably made some sort of face. I must have made a face because she looked at me and she said, are you pregnant? And I kind of looked at her. I scooted further away on the couch and I'm like, yes. (laughs) And she was upset. I think maybe she cried a little, but something that she said to me there that I will always be grateful for was that she says, you're not getting married. You're not going to get married because you're pregnant. That's not the answer. And I don't want you to get married just because you're pregnant, which I thought was really great advice. You know, you're not going to force me into. Yes. So, and then she says, now you have to tell your dad. So I'm like, okay. So when he came home from work, I told him, then they said they wanted to meet him. You know, my father was very unhappy about it. And he had more of an image thing about him. It was my mom was more upset about it. But my dad was more like, crap, people are going to my daughter is pregnant and not married. And so he was more upset about that aspect, I think, than anything else. You know, so they met him and because of the roommate situation and now I needed to save money. And he had come with us. He came here and was working like at a movie theater at first. My parents allowed us to move into their house to my old room. Yeah. And start saving money and get our things together. And without um, being married, without being married. Okay. So, well, hold on for a minute. And I know we're going to get to this part of the story. Sure. So mom says you're not going to marry him. Right. But you ultimately ended up getting married. We did. We did. Yes. Did you just say, you know what, mom, it wasn't just because we're pregnant. We were planning on it. Right. We loved each other and we felt we want to get married. But that that took away the pressure of we're going to the courthouse next week. It gave us opportunity to do it a little better, do it nicer. We moved in, we saved some money. And my son was four months old when we actually got married. Now, my mom was very flexible, a lot of things, but she went with me to pick out the dress and I was not allowed to have a white dress. I was not allowed to have a veil. It was like, nope, nope, 
none of these things because you're not a virgin and your son is going to be at your wedding. So she had a lot of input in those sort of situations. I will say my dress was beautiful. I absolutely loved my dress. So I was not super upset about that, but it was restrictions put in that situation. And so, what color was it? You know, it was like an ivory, so it was, oh. but not that pure bright white that a wedding dress is supposed to be. Because you were solid. <laughs> okay, all right. So you, let's. So, was there ever any like actual engagement? Like, did he get on his knee? Was there a? Did did he take you to Disney? Was there anything romantic? I had about? a really adorable engagement story. So at the time that that I was pregnant and we were getting married, or when I was pregnant, but. I was working and people didn't know I was pregnant yet. I worked as a character at a theme park. So one day I'm going to go out, but there's characters and then there's the people that spot the characters that watch them to make sure that they don't get in trouble, right? That people aren't beating them up and stuff. So there's always a character, but there's always an employee there making sure no one's being too rough. If someone wants to kick the crap out of Goofy, you got to have a you bodyguard. You got to get inside, basically. right. So, so that day I was the spotter. And so when I came out to with my character, I noticed that there was a lot of managers standing by the front desk and stuff. And I'm like, that's weird. They usually aren't standing there. So I was like, okay, well. And then while I'm standing there, guy comes up to me and gets really close to me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get back. There's a whole bunch of managers here and I'm working. Don't come near me like to give me a kiss or whatever. I'm going to get fired. And, and then he gets the down on screen, one knee. Right? No, I'm not in the suit. I'm watching oh. the person in the suit. Oh, you're the spotter. I'm the spotter, yeah. So he gets down on one knee and asks me to marry him right there in front of all of the managers, all of the guests at the park and whatever. And it was like, it was super, super cool. I thought it was pretty amazing. And then I realized that's why all the managers were there because someone had told them that this was going to happen and they were there to watch. And I was like, get away. I started pushing him away because I'm like, I'm going to get fired. What are you doing? So that was a really that was a really sweet story. I love that. that that's cool. And so, yeah. at that, where what when did that happen? Were you, at, were you living at your parents by then, or what's the story uh, there? I was living at my parents. So that was late 1995. Yeah, because my son was born in 1996, and wow. we married in like well, we got married not like we got married in October of 1996. So basically, almost a full year engaged, or a yes, full year. yeah. But you'd been together at that point for a year before you even got engaged. Right, exactly. So I would say when he moved, exactly, he moved and we moved in together probably in August of two thousand of 1995. So yeah, a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a great story. All right. So you had the Disney engagement. Um, it wasn't Disney. Oh, okay. You had the, uh, the theme park. The other theme parks, but not Disney. I'm trying Disney. to think of the other one in... Orlando area, but whatever. It was SeaWorld. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was baby Shamu sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you're married or you're engaged. You get married right. in late 96. 96. Now, this is the part of the story where it either is like everything started out great and then went really horribly or it started out really pretty bad and just got worse. Before then, you're working in a theme park at this point. You didn't work in, you didn't wear the costume in the heat throughout your pregnancy, I assume. Right. Once I told them that I was pregnant and I started showing and whatever, then yeah, I just was a spotter for the rest of the time. Yeah. Okay. And what was Guy doing? Well, I have to give him props. He was, 
he knew tons about computers. And so he started off, you know, working at a movie theater. When I found out that I was pregnant, his plan, the plan was, we're going to see how this works. He was only taking a few months off of school and supposed to go back. So I told him I am pregnant and I am okay being responsible for this child myself. We had plans. You were planning to go back to your school to finish and I don't want to be the reason you don't do that. So mm-hmm. you can leave. I'm not going to hate you. You can go. And he said, no, you know, I love you. I'm going to stay. And he made that choice. He made that choice. I gave him the choice. Some people will say, well, what else was he supposed to say? No, he could have said, you know what? I do want to finish. I yeah. will go and we can see what happens. But no, he chose to stay. So. Just putting that out there. He was really good with computers. He was very smart. And he started applying for technical support jobs and things like that. And he started, he got, you know, a good job at a, at a company doing tech support to start. That's what he did. Well, that's cool. All right. So you get married by then. Had you moved? Were you still living with your parents when you got married? We were living with my parents. We stayed married. We stayed living with my parents probably even another six months after we got married. So we stayed with them trying to build up money and have money to move out. And it's hard to say if there was problems from the beginning. I do say that I believe that had I not gotten pregnant, we would not have stayed together because there were things about him. There were things about me that really were not compatible so much. But now I'm all about family. I have a child. He chose to stay. We're going to make this work. We're going to be a family. Things that maybe don't work well for me, I'm going to have to deal with them because this is now marriage. This is now life. Yeah. And so you guys stuck it out. I mean, you were married, but it doesn't sound like it was... I mean, there is no perfect marriage, but you just, the way you just said that, it made it sound like things weren't that awesome. They weren't, they really were not. Like one of the reasons we moved out of the house and it's a sad story, but I was going, I went back to work, but I wasn't working at the theme park anymore. I was working at another job while he would be at home with our son. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to work, but he did, he wasn't, let's be real. He was 20 years old. I get it. I get it. And he, he didn't pay as much attention to our son as he should. But we were in my mother's house and we had taken the garage, which was a big space. They had closed off and that's where we had our, that was our little studio place. Uh And so my mom would be out in the rest of the house and she would hear my son crying and she would hear guy like telling him quiet, be quiet, whatever, and not like soothing him or whatever. So one day my mom just couldn't take it anymore. And she went in, she Went and grabbed my son and was like, nope, you are not watching him. You're not taking care of him. I'm tired of hearing him crying. You're treating him poorly. And she took him. And then guy calls me at work and this, all this happened. I had to leave. I had to quit my job. I had to go back home so I could stay at home with my son at nights. And then the guy was like, we need to leave and we're moving out. And I'm like, okay. So I understood why my mom did what she did. I get it. I don't want to hear my son crying and whatever. So he wasn't being the dad that I would have hoped that he would have been at that time. That was one issue. So did you know about that before your, before then? I mean, were you aware that he wasn't taking care of him as had your mom said anything up to you? I don't remember that she had. I mean, I, when we were together, I would see that mostly I would be playing with him. And of course he would play and talk with him or whatever, but he was mostly hanging around the computer, doing stuff on the computer, you know, the internet and all that stuff back then. And so I could see that he didn't put a lot of attention, but 
I don't remember seeing, I don't remember her telling me that he did that. But maybe she did. And I just didn't want to, oh, it can't be that bad or he's fine. Or, or I had to talk with him and been like, hey, pay a little more attention. Right. So. All right. So you've been married for six months. So it's middle of 2007-ish or 97, excuse me. I do that all the time. So the middle of 1997 or early 97, and you guys move out of your parents' house. We move out. Rent an yep. apartment someplace close by? We rent by, an apartment. Or yeah. Yeah. But we rented a nice little apartment. It was three bedrooms. So, so he would have his office and our son would have his little room. And it was a nice little place. I liked it, but it was on the second floor and the downstairs neighbors, even though they were nice about it, they would kind of make comments about my son making too much noise or running around. And and so it was a nice place. And we were there for maybe two years. And then I told Guy, I think we should look into a house. I think it would be a good idea to get a house, to give our son a yard so that we don't have to worry about neighbors. And this was part of one of our issues was that he didn't feel like he, he wasn't looking for growth. I get it. He lived in a car. He's like a three bedroom apartment is awesome for me. I don't need more. I'm content yeah. here, There's but I was Mahal. not. Yeah. And I was not, I wanted a house. I wanted a yard. I wanted more. And so I pushed for more. I also, I was not also looking for like the most expensive. I am I had, I was, and I will say still to this day that I call myself cheap. Like I will look for the deals. I will uh -huh. look for the deals. I looked for a very lovely house for a very good price, something that we could afford. And, and I pushed for it and he went along, but begrudgingly, he didn't really want to, but he did. Another thing that we had issues with was finances. I stayed home because obviously he, him watching my, our son at night was not going to work. So I didn't work and I didn't want to put him in, in childcare if I could. And by that time, Guy was making pretty decent money at his job. So I didn't need to work, but he brought in all the money. So it was kind of hard to, to finesse the whole thing because I'm not bringing in any money. He's bringing in all the money, but I'm telling you, I want to buy a house. And, and finances were a little bit of a struggle. It was hard yeah. to tell him, don't buy something because it's like, why can't I buy something? I work. But it's like, I know you work, but you can't buy everything. And then there was a lot of pushback in that situation. And I felt bad. Yeah. You know, it was an interesting thing in my first marriage. My, I just remember this. And you know, when we got married, we were both working. She was in school and we, she finished up school. And I think we were both making like, 10 or 11 bucks an hour, which back in 1992 and three, not bad. Right. But it, we weren't rich. I mean, we were kind of, we were lower middle class, if that, okay. maybe right. there's upper bottom class. And, <laughs> and then when we had kids, she quit and I had started making better money. And for the first time in, in our married life, I, we were doing okay. And I would go out to lunch once a week and lunch gets expensive if you're not going to bring right. it from home. But once a week right. I would go out for lunch and every week I would get the biggest ration of shit. And it wasn't as much, I mean, it was about the money, but also we only lived 10 minutes from the office. And she said, well, mm -hmm. if you can go out, why don't you come home? Right. And it's like once a week to go out for 30 or 40 minutes with friends from work is not a bad thing. Right. And back then right. you could get a, a combo meal for five bucks. It wasn't Absolutely. that big of a deal. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, money was always an issue as well. So I get it, especially, and you right. know, she didn't work. And so right. I had that same attitude. It's like, look, I'm do making this money. I should be able to go out to lunch once a week. Right. And I still feel that way. Right. I think she was going a little overboard. Not saying you did. Right. No, I get you. And my issue was that 
it wasn't like going out to lunch. He loved the electronics. He loved, oh, it's a, it's all of the new things that came out. When they first came out with the first iPod shuffle thingy or whatever, he had to have that. When they came oh. out with the first laptop thing, he had to, it wasn't small items. It was large, big electronic items. And I'm like, we have goals. I'd like to go on a vacation. I'd like for us to try and go on vacation. And I'd like to have some money in the bank. I'd like to not live paycheck to paycheck, even though you're bringing in decent money, we don't have like an emergency fund. So mm-hmm. it was hard for him to under to get him to understand. I'm not trying to deprive you. I'm trying to make sure that we are prepared for life. So that that was hard. And for me, it, I don't like talking about money. It's I've never been comfortable talking about money. And so which was part of why the whole thing with the roommate was an issue. But then I felt I started feeling like I am not a valuable part of this family because even though I take care of our son, I, the house is clean. I take care of everything. I'm not, there's no monetary number to what I do. And right. so I started feeling like it's him. And I did some of that to myself because when we moved in together, he had no credit. I, I didn't, I had credit, I had bills and whatever. And I said, you know what you need, we need to build your credit because you're the one who makes the money. So I didn't pay any of my stuff. I put my student loans on deferment. I did all this stuff and we handled all of his stuff so that he had the great credit, but none of my stuff got touched because it was all about him. And I did that right. to myself. Right. So, wow. Okay. So you had some issues that you had to deal with, right. but right. you know, they're not anything different than anybody else. Um, right. Right. At least so at far. this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So far. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know the story, so I don't know when the craziness starts. So this is 97 and you guys got divorced in 2006, did you tell me? 2006, but we broke up in 2004. Okay. So, so. sometime between 97 and 2004, something went awry. Right. Let's- well, I feel like it started early. By the time my son was one year old on his first birthday, I had I was already like 20 pounds more than I had ever been. And I had cut my hair like super short, which is crazy because my hair is my thing. And I look back at those pictures and I don't even understand why I did it. But one of the things that I learned and I was not prepared for, because again, I was a sheltered Catholic girl, was he, he liked to look at girls online. He liked to check out be in little chat groups and be in with people and he was very sexual and one of the things that I remember him telling me early on was that I should never use sex as a weapon with him that I should never deny him sex because I was mad or whatever but for me it always kind of came off as like he just used sex as a weapon to me like telling me now if I ever don't feel like I should I can't say that I don't because I'm using sex as a weapon it kind of almost played in my head like he was just one-upping, avoiding yeah. that ever happening in the future. Yeah. But another big thing besides him always checking out other women online, and maybe he would send a message to one or two, but it wasn't like you do now. Mm. You know, It was actually women that were there for that specific purpose. So he was like one of 20 guys that might have been talking to her or oh, okay. whatever. And But then he started kind of pushing me towards the upside-down pineapple. So, um, yeah, he wanted to be a swinger and I'm not about that life. I am not about that life. And that was difficult for me. And I believe that I started putting on tons of weight because it was easier for me to just be ugly and fat than to tell him, 
I'm not going to do this. The furthest it ever went was that he connected with another couple one time and he set up a dinner for me and the woman so that we could talk to see if we got along so that we could move forward. Really? Yeah. And I went to dinner with this girl and I saw my future in her. She was beaten down. She didn't want to do this. But she did for her partner. She was actually from another country. And I think she was married to him, not for the papers, but if she wasn't married to him, she might not even be able to be in the United States. Mm-hmm. And we had a real, not the conversation that our husbands were hoping we were having. <laughs> she was telling me how rough it was and how unhappy she was, but that she did what she did. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. This is not, no, nope. Good this for is you. Not gonna be it. Yeah. So that was a really big deal for me. And Those sort of things where I feel were kind of insurmountable for us. But let's be clear. I'm not the one who broke up with him. He's the one who wanted to end things. So I still stayed with him. I just didn't, I wouldn't do those things. And I put myself in a position to not be desirable. So. Okay. So do you know, give or take, when did this all Uh start? When did the swinging discussions begin it had to be maybe 2002 maybe 2001 because we moved into our house in 2000 and this was after that so okay so 2001 he's saying come on josie let's swing right and you're saying hell no and i'm gonna get fat so that no one wants to swing with me so you're eating i think that was subconscious i I honestly think it was subconscious but yes i I was like no i'm not that i'm not really interested in that i don't want to do that so you go out to dinner with that lady and she's yeah. telling you how horrible it is. Shocker. Yeah. And then, and you just said, no, I'm not doing this. But yeah. what he happened with push, that? Yeah. He, I, he didn't push me any further on it. I think he knew me and he knew that it's not going to happen. And, but he continued doing his own thing. Like he would continue talking to girls online or looking at inappropriate things online on his own. And he, That was as good as he was going to get. He didn't go out on his own or cheat. So I will say that he did not cheat. He didn't do that. But he just looked on. Let's what is cheating is looking at these girls online. I mean, for some, some people. Exactly. And I think for me, it did feel if not cheating, it was hugely disrespectful. I mean, and it made me it made my self-worth even more worse than it was, because why is he looking at these people? But then, of course, I also understood that I was. Every day being less and less desirable to him because I was gaining weight and all those things, which so I understood that, which also then again made me feel like crap because subconsciously I know what I didn't know why it was happening, but it was a defense mechanism of my part. But it all it didn't make me feel good. It still made me feel like crap when I looked in the mirror. So, yeah, yeah, it was a vicious circle. One of our previous episodes, I don't remember what it was called. I'll try to remember, but it was the one with Jenny, my former girlfriend. One of our earlier episodes, she and I have stayed in touch over the years and she's wonderful and she's, she was divorced and um, she and her ex-husband found the podcast and he said to her, you need to go on his show. And it was fun to catch up with her, but she was explaining, and I didn't know any of this about her first marriage, that her now ex-husband, her first husband was addicted to porn and the same feelings she expressed that she's a very pretty lady. And she was in some of the best shape of her life at that point. And he was still just, he could not stop. Now that was in the pre-internet days. And so he was stealing magazines from people's houses. Oh goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I still laugh at that. I shouldn't, but I, I do. Divorce doesn't have to be complicated. 
Our Divorce.com's three-step procedure provides a simple and affordable process that you can follow at your own pace. Save thousands by visiting OurDivorce.com today. So, yeah, so you're feeling like crap because he's checking out these other women and talking to them, too, or at least chatting with them. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then putting pressure on me to lose weight because, obviously, I'm not what he wants me to be. I'm not looking like he wants me to look. And so when are you going to lose weight? What's going on? We, if we went out to dinner and I ordered a Coke, a soda, he would get mad at me because of the calories. And it was, it was pretty miserable. Yeah. It was pretty Sounds miserable. Sounds like it. Yeah. But he's 26 years old at this point, right? I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but we're all stupid in our twenties. Of course, so. of course. And I, and I get that. But also another issue in that whole situation was that he had a really good job. And because he was so young, most of the other employees there, the guys that he would work with, because it was mostly men, were single. And they're like, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I'm doing that. Hey, I want to do the other thing. And he's like, well, I've got to go home to my wife and kid. And so that was another thing that he started feeling resentful about because... I don't get all the freedom that these people have. I have all this money and I'm not allowed to spend it because we have to take care of electric bill and and diapers or whatever. My son probably was not in diapers at that time, but you know, things for the family. And I don't get to go out for the weekend or or take a a, a trip with like my friends are going, go to Vegas and do all this stuff. So he was looking at their lives and he was not happy about where he was, how he didn't have get to do all the things that they were doing. And I felt yeah. that too. And I felt like crap about that too. Not, yeah. no, I mean, not good enough. Who can blame him? Who can blame right. him? I mean, he's, right. he's 26. He never got to sow his wild oats, so to speak. Right. Right. And damn it, Josie, you're not letting him. Right. Um, right. I get it. Why didn't you go out with that woman and fall in love so that we could upside down pineapple things? That's right. I'm sorry to hear all this, but let's get what? to the part where somebody says we're done. Right, right. Well, I knew there were problems. I was not happy, but I had decided that this is my life and I'm going to be content. I'm not happy, but I have a son. I have a roof over my head. I can raise my son. He was almost going to be eight years old. And so I decided I would like for him to have another brother or a sister. That was also important for me. I dreamed about my daughter. My daughter, having a daughter was always a dream of mine. So I had a talk with Guy and told him that I wanted to start trying for another child. And we had, I don't know why, but we had decided that February, we we're going to start in February. We'll, we'll wait till February. In February, we'll start for another time. Okay. So when February came around, I said, hey, it's February. And then he's like, yeah, I thought about it. And I don't want to. And also, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. And I think I need a break. So I was just like, what? Like blindsided and devastated and in shock and like all of the feelings that you feel just like, I I can't believe it. What do you mean? And I am also like a people pleaser and a fixer kind of, Uh maybe not so much a people pleaser, but a fixer. And I'm like, okay, well you need a break. What do we got to do? Let's, (laughs) let's get you into a, one of these places that it's like pay by the week or whatever places go there, get, take the week because in a week you should be, you should figure out that you're fine and that I was wrong and that I should come back. So take the week, go over there, do your thing, analyze yourself and uh, we'll figure out the budget. We'll make the finances work so that you can do that. And so he went and he stayed there and then he started taking salsa classes right away. Um, 
okay, I'm going to be honest. He had always told me he wanted to try them. I was very self-conscious. I thought that I, as a Puerto Rican, it's embarrassing. I thought I had no rhythm and I didn't want to. And I didn't feel confident about myself. I didn't like myself. So I wouldn't do it. So then the week that he took to separate, he signed up for salsa classes, went right in, started doing that. And uh, I think we couldn't sustain him staying more than a week. And after that week, he was like, I mean, I still don't, I still don't feel like I, I still feel the way I feel. Mm -hmm. And then I made what I think is one of the hugest mistakes of my, of this whole journey was that because I had parents that were only 20 minutes away and he didn't have anybody in this state and whatever, I packed up my son and I left my house, which I regret. I regret that. I regret that to this day. I left my house for him, for his comfort. I, of course, still felt like this. He's going to change his mind. He's going to change his mind. So I'm going to go for a while. That's the Uh day that I moved out is the day I started that journal. I was it was horrible packing up my stuff and leaving. But I still felt like he's going to recognize, oh, what a great thing I am and how crazy it is that he's going to. What did I do? And change his mind and I'll just move back. So that's kind of how that went now. Well, that's an interesting thing, because I'll tell you, um, I'm not a people pleaser, but I am, what did you say, a fixer? So when my ex-wife Trinity, three years ago, by the way, three years ago, I believe today. Wow. I could be wow. wrong. I might be off by a day or two, but three years ago right now, we were arguing over what an emotional affair was and whether or not she was having one. And she was, by the way, spoiler alert. And, and she said... I need space. I need time to think. And I immediately, well, I'm going to a hotel then. And I went off to this hotel and I stayed there for the next six weeks. Wow. And it was four weeks in, by the way, that I realized, yeah, she's planning her exit. She wasn't needing space. She was planning her exit. And here we are. But you and I think are cut from the same cloth that it's not that I'm trying to please her. I was trying to right. fix things. I loved her right. and I wanted right. to stay married. So it sounds like that's what you were trying to do as well. That's kind of the thing is what you're saying is that we as the people, the dumpies, I like to say, we're blindsided in that moment. But these, the other person has been working on this. By the time they tell us, they've done a lot of the emotional work and come right. to grips. So we're like, why aren't they crying? Why aren't they suffering? They've done it all. They've done it all while they're laying next to you, while they're sleeping with you, while you're watching for them. So, which is also when you when you think about that, what makes you so angry? Because like you're planning all this, but you're still happy to let me cater to you. It's frustrating. And by the way, when you say they've done the emotional work, what you mean by that is they've done all of the justification and rationalization. Exactly. Yeah. So you move out, he moves back into your house. Then what? Then I try to go to, I try to get him to go to therapy. I sign us up for divorce relationship retreats with the church because he did, he wasn't Catholic, but he did become a Catholic while we were together. He actually went and did the adult confirmation, includes baptism, first communion and confirmation together. He did those things. Now we weren't going to church every Sunday, but you know, we consider ourselves Catholic. So I went running to the church to find a way to, and there was a retreat for people that were struggling in their marriage. And I signed up for it and I tried to get us to go to therapy. And he said he would, but he, and he didn't show up to the first therapy session, Mm. which I kind of 
wasn't expecting him to, but was hoping to because he never gave me a firm commitment on oh. it. But it turned out to be fine because the therapist turned out to be my therapist for many years and ha was such a huge, important part of my life. But then the first retreat that we were going to go on, something happened and they canceled it. Like it was like weeks away, like maybe a couple weeks. And I'm like, okay. And they canceled it. And then they weren't going to do another one for like two months. And two months was like an eternity in this situation. Absolutely. And I was so frustrated, but he said, I will go to the next retreat. Okay, great. In the meantime, I'm still think suffering over here, worrying about what's going to happen, if it's going to work. And obviously, I've, in my neighborhood, I had friends. And one of my neighbors calls me to tell me that there has been a car parked at my house and that it was a girl. And it was like the most heartbreaking news that I, had, that I would ever get. So I reached out to him, either a text or an email. I'm not sure. Maybe I even called him. I don't really remember. And I questioned him about that. And he said it was one of the girls from the salsa group that he invited to the house. But, you know, it's just a friend. And honestly, I believed him that it was just a friend. But I told him the disrespect of bringing a woman into the house that I left because you had nowhere else to go. It shows that you don't give a shit about me. You don't give right. a shit about this. You're not really trying. I need to accept that this is done. Because if you would do that, even if she's a friend, you don't do that because you're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about your son. We're, we basically moved into a room at my mother's house. You have this whole huge house to yourself. We're doing this to help you figure out what you want to do. And you bring a woman, a girl in, a woman in, whatever. And my friends and neighbors see this. You don't give a shit about what they're going to think about me. So I canceled the retreat. And I want to, I wish I could say that was when I realized it was over, but obviously it's a roller coaster and that was a, a very big point, but I still kept hoping and praying and whatever for a long time after that. But I did believe him that it was, that it was over, Just that, that she wasn't, che that he wasn't cheating with her. I did believe that he wasn't at that point. So do you now? I still believe that he wasn't. They oh, did. Okay end up in a relationship afterwards of course because he was obviously interested in her but i will say this about this person i didn't know her but she was she knew that he was not divorced and she gave herself the respect i don't know if she didn't do that if they would have but she respected herself enough to say i'm not comfortable here this is your home this is the home that you were with your wife talk to me when you guys are officially over because this i don't want to be a, a cheat i don't want to be Exactly. And so I appreciated that from her when we officially were like, we're done. It's done between us. He told her and they did start dating. But I don't believe that she was dating him at that time. I don't say that he didn't have those hopes for her. But he, sure. at that time, he did not officially cheat. Okay. That's how I see it. Yeah. So, so he's not cheating with the salsa dancer, but you're at home. You're praying that something gets better. Now what? Yeah. It doesn't get better. It's a lot of flip-flopping. It's a lot of maybe, I don't know. We're not, I'm not sure. So we had a talk and then we decided we were going to sell the house because he couldn't afford to keep, he was paying me child support, even though it was just an, an agreement between us because I needed money. I didn't work, but paying that and the house was just not worth it. And so basically once he was like, we we're going to sell the house, I mean, it's a sign that things are, are going to yeah. be over. So yeah, it's not um, a good sign. Yeah. So then Sorry. it's ultimately he just basically said, I'm out. 
he basically said, so he basically, I'm not even sure how we had a huge fight. We were, we, there was a point in time before therapy where I would really go for the jugular. I will admit this. And this is something that therapy helped me on is that if I thought you were a shit dad, and I'm pissed off. And there's a thing about our son. I will tell you, you're a shit dad. You know, I won't try and sugarcoat and whatever. I would really go for the most painful thing I could say. And I know that's a fault. That was a fault on me. And so we would have some of these faults, some of these fights. And I would just be like, you're a piece of shit that left us. You abandoned us for this. For that. And one of the in one of these situations, one of these talks, he's like, you see, this is why I can't be with you. So he basically turned it back on me because I couldn't control myself and whatever. And he's like, because of this is a, this is why we can't be together. I guess I can't even tell you a definitive time when it was just like, we're done. It just slowly, nothing was happening. He wasn't trying. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start dating. I really do think that part of after what happened with this girl is when it basically, I basically realized I wasn't ready, but I knew that it didn't look good. And then we moved on to, we're going to sell the house. And then it was like, okay, well, Did it was you unspoken. You, you that... said you were going to start dating? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give dating a try. I did. I was like, you know what? You're moving on. I'm going to start dating. Yeah. That was a really huh. bad idea. Of course. Our lives are so closely intersected. It's crazy. Cause yeah. remember when I told you that it was three years ago today or this week, at least six weeks later it was two days before Thanksgiving. So the Monday before Thanksgiving is when she announced that we were done. And I mean, I was devastated, but prepared. Okay. Because it had been coming for a long time and she'd had an affair right. two years earlier. So mm -hmm. I, most of my crying was done two years earlier. But I just remember that Monday night, I called my brother who lives in Atlanta and I was in Utah at the time. So it's like two in the morning and he gets up at four, which is crazy. Wow. But, and so he and his wife were both up and we talked about it. And I remember my sister-in-law, Denine, she said, so are you done? And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, well, if she came into your room, cause we were obviously not in the same room. Right. She said, if you came into the, she came into your room tomorrow morning and said, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Would you take her back? And it was a really right. important question for me because right. I really hadn't thought of it in those terms. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? If she comes down tomorrow morning and says, I screwed up, I want to make it work, I'd say yes. But if she doesn't, which I don't think she will, but if she doesn't, I'm done. That's it's basically I'm giving her without telling her this. I've said I'm right, giving exactly. her this one last chance. And when we finished up that call, I couldn't sleep and I just kind of lay there for a while. And that's when I downloaded my very first dating app. So I did yeah. the exact, I said the same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I guess I'm going to give dating a try. Now, right. how dumb was that? We're I now not have in a a we were not mentally, right? We were not mentally no. ready for that. No, I have a rule now that I wish I would have set for myself that I won't okay. date anybody who's been married. I mean, if they've been, if they haven't been married, that's one thing. But if they've been married, if their divorce has not been final for a year, I won't go out with them because I know how yeah. important that year is now. Right. Right. I wish I would have known it then. So well, yeah. what happens? Well, on the weekends that he would have my son, my friends and I, we would go out to the clubs and we would go out and I would live the life that I didn't live before mm -hmm. him because before him I wasn't out clubbing my parents I didn't drink I didn't do any of those things so I'm like you know what this is my time I'm not gonna lie I went a bit crazy when it was my free weekend I was 
my parents wouldn't see me. My mom, because my dad by then was not living with us anymore. So I would, I'd go out, I'd stay at my girlfriend's house and I'd go out and I'd have a good time. And that's, I didn't meet guys. That's not true. I'm not going to say I didn't meet people on apps, but mostly it was like if I went out to a club and, and stuff like that. And the first, I'm not even going to call it relationship, but the first person that I met that way was somebody that I met at a club. And I remember, you know, he was flirting with me while we were walking out of the whole part, the whole complex of clubs. And I started asking him, are you married? Are you divorced? How many kids you have? I like grilled him in just those like five minutes. And my friend was like, you're so, you have such, so many questions. And I'm like, well, it's important. But I wasn't even really looking to date somebody. I met him. We hooked up a few times. It was a disaster. I had zero self-esteem. I let him get away with things that I shouldn't have. I did things that I shouldn't have. And it didn't last. It was like maybe a month tops. Mm -hmm. He was no good. He was really no good. But it 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 showed me that I do not need to be dating. What am I doing? I am not mentally prepared for this. I think that's, I mean, I get it. So you're, but you're not divorced yet either. No, uh, uh-uh. we're not divorced, but I knew by that point we were over. I mean, I feel like we were, I know I wouldn't have done this if I didn't feel like we were over. It was just me actually accepting it because he knew he was done. He knew he wasn't coming back to me. I just was not there yet. I just didn't want to accept it yet, but we were broken up. In fact, I told him about the thing about us was that we didn't hate each other. He was, and I know it's so annoying when people say this, but at that point, he was like my best friend. We talked a lot, and we got a lot. We agreed on a lot of things, and we could have great conversations about things that didn't have to do with me or money or stuff like that. And of course, because I knew how his mind worked, he was really interested in knowing that I met somebody, and it turned him on to know that I had met somebody. And that is an insulting, right? That, again, is an insulting thing for me, but at that point, I felt that it was a power thing, which is very unhealthy. But I'm like, guess what? I did this and that and the other. And I knew that he was going to want to hear about it. And and it gave me an unhealthy type of power over him by being able to share these things with him. Toxic, unhealthy, not good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I told him. Yeah. And I told him I met somebody and he, he was willing to listen to as many details as I was willing to give him. And he wasn't mad or jealous or anything. He was just like, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's a strange reality because when yeah. I, you know, so I downloaded those dating apps, right. I started on Bumble and I've told this story on TikTok that I did dump Bumble because it's the only one I could remember. And one of my employees had shown me some of her matches on Bumble and it was just, so I'm, I downloaded Bumble and the first 10 women were all prostitutes. Oh my gosh. And so I left Bumble and went to Zeusk and I was swiping on these pretty women and literally that night this is i don't know the next night so the day after all this came down is when i met the woman i ended up dating for a year and a half oh my goodness wow yeah now we didn't start dating like that day but we right but that's the person that was the connection exactly wow yeah Yeah. so yeah it happened pretty quick let's get to the divorce so you get you're out partying you're clubbing when you're, when, you know, not when you're being mom. Now, did he have your son on the week, the other weekends? Was he a decent dad? I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But at that time, I didn't feel so much that he was because for me, I had a child because I wanted a child and I wanted to be a mom. And whenever he 
would he, he was more let's put it this way he was really into his new social life he was definitely into the clubs the salsa dancing the this that the other and if there was a an event on a weekend that he had his son he was talking to me about switching days so he was always trying to rearrange his schedule of being a dad so that he could be able to, he prioritized the going out, the clubbing, the things like that, which really would piss me off because I'm like, you're not prior- prioritizing your son. You're not being a good, you're not being a good dad. In my opinion, you're not putting him, you have for him, I had, he had him one night a week and every other weekend, which means all the other time he's free. Why is it on the Wednesday you have him that you can't, you can't just have him and cancel everything else that's going on. So that was a reoccurring issue for us because whenever he would ask me, I love my son. I want my son. If he asked me, can you switch? I'm not going to fight over it because I don't want to fight about not having my son. That's gross to me. So I would take him, but it would always bother me that he would put me in that position because I'm not going to say no to my son because sometimes when he would take him like to salsa, he would take him with his GameCube, whatever, Nintendo and sit him there while he danced. That's not spending time with your son on the one day a week that you have him. So I didn't feel like he was prioritizing as a dad. I didn't like that. So, but he would take him. Yes, he would. But there was always a lot of, hey, can we switch? Can we switch? So so I think that answered what you asked. Yeah. How long does this go on with you separated before somebody says, let's get a divorce? Well, actually, that's interesting because I just did my podcast episode on that journal entry where I'm like, we're going to go tonight and have this talk. So it was like nine months. It was like nine months after our separation, our official, I moved out. It was around nine months later that we decided to have the official talk. What do you want to do? And I remember because I just revisited it that I talked to myself about what do I want? How do I feel? And Mm -hmm. I felt like I don't know that I want him back. I don't know that if he says I want to work on things that I do, like, like what you said, kind of, I'm like, I don't do, I don't know. I don't think that I do, but he's my husband. This is my family. So if he says, yes, I'm going to, I will try, but I'm not sure that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so we had the talk and he was like, I think we should divorce. And I'm like, I knew that was probably what he was going to say anyway, but that was the official conversation of, yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to divorce. You'd been apart for nine months. The house nine is sold. The house There's is sold. not a lot of assets that need to be dealt no, with. You've no. got a visitation schedule. You've already agreed yep. on child support. I'm yep. going to just go out on a limb and say that the divorce itself was kind of a non-issue, non-event. It was super easy. And of course, one of the things that I saw that I re- remembered was that I had told him, start the paperwork, take care of it. We're going to do it. I want you to take care of it. Because in my mind, I was like, you wanted the divorce, you wanted separation, you handle it all. But of course, he didn't. And also, we weren't in a rush because I was on his, I didn't have a full-time job. And he had me on his insurance. And he was fine doing so. So we weren't in a rush because of that also, because that helped me. And so... It was fine. But once I officially got a full time job, I was like, okay, I want to be divorced. I want to I don't want to just be we're living our lives. We are friends, but not together or anything like that. I want to be divorced. And I did it. I went and got the paperwork from the the courthouse 
printed it all out, filled it all out myself. He, we, like you said, we didn't have a house. We didn't have any real, anything together, bank accounts, anything. We had a car that was in both of our names where we wrote down who was going to get the car and whatever. And then we agreed on child support. We agreed on visitation. And it was as easy as filling it all out, submitting it and waiting for the judge to say, meet, go, for us to go in in front of the judge to have the final hearing. Okay. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to everybody out there. It can be easy. Yeah. Ourdivorce.com is all about that easiness. It's been helpful if went for me to make sure that I filled out my forms right or that everything was right. But absolutely, because we were not about the money for a lawyer. We didn't have it. I certainly didn't have it. He didn't have it. And if you can agree and you don't have to fight about every single little thing, then that's the smartest way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So this was back in 2006, right? 2007? Right. 2006. So here we are 16 years later. Right. Did you remarry? I have not remarried, but I do have a partner. So I enjoyed five years by myself. I dated a little here and there, but I never had a a relation, a relationship, like a boyfriend, girlfriend, really relationship, just dated around and whatever. And then I really enjoyed my time being a mom and being single and just living it. I don't know how you feel about this, but it was like the best years of my life, just being alone and being able to do whatever I wanted and not have to answer to anybody. It was great, but I did end up meeting somebody else on Facebook. It's all about social, social media for me, I guess. I don't know, but um, like Facebook dating or just Facebook, Facebook. No, actually. Okay. So he wrote to me on Facebook, but he, found me on this site I used to do photography and I had a there was a website for photography and and sharing your work and he saw my profile there and then he found me on YouTube on Yahoo personals when that was a thing yeah there used to be Yahoo personals and so I was on Yahoo personals and he saw my profile on Yahoo personals but then he wrote to me on Facebook so he and he told me all this which actually it was he's lucky that I was in the mind frame that I was because it sounds super stalkery but to me it was like wow you really wanted to talk to me that you went through all three different platforms to get to me and I it for me it sounded it was like a uh like an ego boost thing but it could come off as super stalkery it could have depended on the day I read that email it could have been one way or the other so yeah he sent me a message on Facebook and that's how we connected and that was in like 12 or 13 then so you've been together for a long time 2009 Oh, wow. And okay. some things I did learn from my past and some things I didn't. So we our first date was in September and I was pregnant by December. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hey, Josie, they know what causes that. Now. <laughs> I tried a different I tried something different that time, but it didn't work. But I will tell you that it all happens for a reason, because I got the baby girl that I mourned for that I cried for that I suffered for that I thought I would it's over my marriage is over I'm just going to be a mom to one I'm not going to ever have that daughter and I had her which is just an amazing testament to me to that that it really was meant to be and in God's timing I mean let's be real it it was meant to it was meant to be so well good for you Thank you. And then you started a podcast a year ago. And then so. I started a podcast, yeah, in 2020 during COVID. And I find it amazing that it, it's kind of like 
time traveling because I forget that things have happened. But when I read what I wrote, I'm like back there again, which is sometimes cool and sometimes weird that I could still cry about things that I read. And I know that it's not a connection still. It's not the loss of him, but I remember those feelings, which are horrible feelings. And they're deep down still in you. And when I relive some of that stuff, it's amazing how I can still react. Yeah. But you've been divorced for a long time. I've been divorced for two and a half years. But like I said, three years ago right now is when this all was coming down. And I talk about it a lot on TikTok and here on this podcast. And I do a lot of this. It's interesting. I don't know if this is the same for you. Well, clearly not because you just said no. But I find myself when I'm talking about it, it's almost like it happened to somebody else. I'm telling a story that I've heard, not one I've experienced. That's almost how it feels. And people on TikTok are always saying, dude, you need to get over it. And I'm like, no, I'm over it. I I hope I'm helping other people, but I'm over it. I'm good. This is the best time of my life. If you need to get over it, I need to really get over it. (laughs) (laughs) It's for help. It's to help. It's to share what you've been through so that other people that are in it, you know, see a window into there is hope. It's not just, I don't think, like you said, I'm not, it's not like I'm pining for Guy because I'm talking about it 10, 16, whatever years later. It's not about that. No. Mm-hmm. It's about me and it needs to be about you and it needs to be about that person that's trying to figure out the emotions. The problem is when you put it too much to them because it's not yeah. about them. It's right. about us and what we're learning and how we hope yeah. to change and avoid happening it again. Yeah. Tell the listeners where they can find your podcast. So I am on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google. It's Heavy Pages, A Divorce Journal. But you can find it if you just search Heavy Pages. And I'm trying to get on as many other platforms as possible. I think there are some obscure ones that you can find it on. But for the main ones, that's where you can download it. You can also download it or listen to it on my website, which is heavypagespodcast.com. Heavypagespodcast.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes, too. So Thank you. Okay, so let's close this out with Josie, the podcast host. What's the advice that you would want us to all walk away with from what you've learned? Well, I think the biggest thing that I can suggest, especially when it has to do with getting the actual divorce and going through the divorce process, is to try and not be so emotional about it when you're doing it because... You can either, like I did, leave my house because I want to please him or show him what a good person I am. And you can walk away from things that you deserve because you're trying to show this person how good you are and sabotage yourself. Or you can also come at it super angry and then extend it out longer because you're fighting for every little tiny thing just to stick it to them. You Mm -hmm. want to see if you can do some work on yourself so that you are there and it is a business it's a business thing. It's just, it's not meant to be emotional. You don't want to put your emotions in because you could lose out if you do it that way so that you make sure that you can get what you can, what you deserve and don't walk away from the potential of being fair to yourself and being fair to them because you're making it into something that it's not. That is fantastic advice. And I should put that right, that on our, the artdivorce.com website, you couldn't <laughs> have said it any better. Excellent. Excellent. Outstanding. Well, Josie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I know that even though it's been 16 years, these emotions are real. And listen to that podcast, everyone, because if you talk about, I get on the show and give little snippets of thoughts and stuff, but I mean, she's reading her journal, people. I mean, it's, those are her innermost thoughts. So only the names have been changed. 
That's correct. That is correct. And I embarrass myself a little, but I'm doing it for you so that you can see what I've been through and hopefully avoid it for yourself. Exactly. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And I I love what you're doing with our divorce. It's definitely needed because I could have definitely used it and avoided some incorrect things on my divorce papers. And it's a great middle ground there. Avoid paying tons to an attorney and not feel like you have to do it all your own and be overwhelmed. Yeah. Even though Florida was the first state we opened in, we were still 16 years too late. So (laughs) yes. What are you going to (laughs) do? Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That's amazing advice. I've said it before, but the only thing I ask my guests to prepare is their advice. I think she nailed that assignment. I'm so happy for Josie. It's great to see how far she's come. But I want to reiterate that while she's been divorced for 16 years and she still gets emotional, that does not mean she's hung up on her ex or that she's not in love with her partner. It means she's human. And if anyone listening is thinking Josie, me, or anyone else needs to just get over their ex, then you're the one with a problem. I hope you find peace. And I really hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, please be sure to let us know by giving us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Thanks for being here. Have an amazing week. Bye. Did you know you can get divorced without hiring an attorney? Let OurDivorce.com guide you through our three-step process for a simple flat fee. Visit OurDivorce.com to learn more and get started today.